Hello and welcome to what might not be the final installment of Doom Dudes. It is the final installment of us talking about the first book in the Dooniverse, Dune. And not just the first part of the first book. Oh, no. Oh, no. Not if the first you book within the following book. this ongoing and riveting saga of two dudes just talking about Dune, then, uh, you know, why, why are you skipping to the end? We didn't read the last chapter. Spoilers. I mean, we did read the last chapter, but, but, but we didn't like just read, you know, so we didn't so, just so we skip ahead know. to the last. You chapter. should know. Yeah. No. So don't just don't just skip ahead to the end of Dune Dudes. It's about the journey. Absolutely, yeah. It's about um, the journey from uh, Caladan to Arrakis, from uh, royalty to the desert to the Harkonnen homeworld and the uh, their their duels and uh, everything in between. Well said. It's like you read the book. I did. I did. I really did. In fact, I finished the book. Yeah. I really yeah, did. Yeah, what we're, what we're trying to say, if, if it's not clear, is that Connor and I have finished reading Dune. We did it. And what an incredible feeling it is. Yeah. Um, it, it is. Feels good. It was uh, it was a long book. Feels good, man. Dot JPEG. I'm gonna have to draw a line. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, what? What? What gives you the uh, the right? The, what's the word? What? What gives you the the right? The what gives you the dot? <laughs> I better respect my heart. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Yeah, we have fun here. We um, have what some people call fun. You know, but we can't just be knucking futzing around. <laughs> I thought Dickie Roberts was banned, long since banned. <laughs> True, but you know, we're kind of bringing, we're kind of bringing it, we're kind of bringing it all back. You know, bringing it all back home. This is kind of the season finale. uh, You know, Bob Dylan. Bring it all back home. Right. That's kind of what I'm... I'm I'm kind of trying to get our listeners to, like, look back and be like, wow. You know, not only have we been on this journey of reading alongside of these two dudes... Or listening alongside, but you know we've grown as people, and there's been a lot of highs, and let me tell you, a lot of lows, Absolutely. a lot of lows. Absolutely, a lot. Absolutely. I can't hear you. Can't, Absolutely. Oh, got a got a little got a little laggy there. That's one of the lows. One of that's one of the lows. 
Um, yeah, man. We've been reading in um, five-chapter increments, right? And uh, we didn't even have five chapters to finish up reading. No, not really. Um, was that a... I don't know. When when you texted me, when you texted me, because you finished it before I did, and you were like, I just finished reading Dune. And so I was like, oh, damn, I guess I got five chapters or less, you know? Um, and then you were like, no, but there's more than five chapters, so keep reading. And then I'm like, what? What's like, you know, you can't make these executive decisions. I'm the host. I felt like I should have been, you know, commandeering some of this. I mean, you didn't, but, but you, you had ample opportunity to step up to the plate and, uh, make your, your, your opinion known. And you just, you chose not to, I mean, somebody had to step up. There was a vacuum in leadership there and I just decided to step up to the plate. Wow. No, I mean, Hey, I, uh, I, I appreciate it. I think it was good that we finished. We had three regular chapters and then we read all the appendices Yes. And uh, I went through and I read the glossary, uh, which was actually pretty long. I still haven't. I don't think I'm going to. I think it's just boring, probably. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's there's like some small nuggets of, of interesting information to be gleaned there. Be like, oh, you know, I, I, you know, let's me put like one more super minor piece together. Or, but it's, it's not important. Um, it's just cool that it's there. I appreciate that shit. Um, let's, let's just go through like we normally would. We'll talk about the chapters. We'll talk about the, the shit at the end and kind of like talk about it all in general, share our feelings, look to the future. Sounds good. Let's do it up. Yeah. Let's, uh, my dude, one last time. All right, sweet. So where we last left off, Paul had this super clear vision look peering into the future now from drinking the the poison of the maker. The worm juice. A drop of it. Yeah. Took a little sip of the old worm nut. (laughs) Um, And so he kind of knows that all this shit's about to go down. He knows to prepare. He knows what they have to do. And um, we we start off our next chapter with them kind of surveying the land. It's clear that they have this plan. Um, the emperor has landed along with uh, along with the Harkonnens. Um, and there's still a bunch of other ships in space, um, but only some of them have landed. The emperor kind of sets up this giant temporary city base, sort of. Um, it's pretty cool. It's cool that we got the emperor here. Um, Finally, at long last, we've heard a lot about him, and oh. uh, and we, you know, it's like we finally got to meet the guy. I know. I, you know, only semi-recently did it, did it seem kind of inevitable that the Emperor was going to be a character 
Um, but I'd, I feel like all the way up to like halfway through the book or, you know, even more, um, seemed like it was kind of up to, uh, up for debate if he was even going to show up or just be yeah. kind of like this outside influencing force. Um, but obviously he is, uh, an integral part to this plan that Paul has. Um, I'd say the important part here really is, uh, let's see, I got to look through. There's a big-ass storm. Paul uses an atomic bomb on the shield wall, this rock formation. Um, and... And uh, what else happens? Let's see. Oh, Paul finds out that his son is dead. Yeah, he does. That's right. That's super fucked up. And he he uh, kind of realizes that now is not the time to mourn the same kind of way he, he did with his father when his father died. When the, right. When, when, the, uh, when Leto the first passed away. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, Very sad that both Leto's had to go. Yeah, yeah, it is. He, like you're saying, he has to go through this suppression of uh, his emotions again. Um, It, it seemed kind of weird in a way. I mean, I guess maybe they do it out of uh, some, some narrative sense where, like, he, he loses his father and then, like, he also has to go through being a father and then losing his child. Like, yeah. I don't know what, what exact significance I feel like there is to tease out of that. But I, I thought it was almost an odd choice because... Unlike with Aaliyah, who at least we've gotten to see, however briefly so far, we've gotten to see. I mean, we've uh, gotten to um, see her, and I, I mean, not obviously not. I to, almost feel like it's it's wasted potential, right? Right, like, but at least we get to see her, and then she has a, more to do in the next chapter, which is cool to talk about. But for Paul's son you never even meet them within the book. There's never even a scene of like Paul being with his child. Nope. I don't think. No, there's not. Not, not that we see. We know that they've spent time together. But not even that much. However cause, briefly. Cause but, ob- yeah. Cause obviously he was away with the, uh, with the women um, at the siege. Right. Or, and uh, yeah. Yeah. And Paul was off doing Muad'Dib things. So yeah, I mean, it, right. it is very, it's, I mean, it's almost more sad this way if you think about it because they've been separated for so long that it's like, uh, you know, they never even had a chance to foster a relationship as far as we can tell. Yeah. Um, but also I think it, it does feel like wasted potential because we just have never even met this kid. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Ultimately, I guess maybe it's just a way at the end to kind of 
raise the stakes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, which like it's not like it was cheap or done bad, but yeah, it did feel a little bit like you know, like eh, let's just tie up that loose end. Like, eh, you know, yeah. we had Paul the kid, but let's fucking kill the kid. Like, you know. And so I was like, okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we, we have some action going down there. Um, but these last two chapters are where it is fucking at. Yes, it gets fucking nuts. And, um, I mean, you mentioned Aaliyah, and I think she is really the uh, shining star of these uh, of at least the, I guess, second to last chapter, right? Where she's kind of confronting the emperor. I, I think she's yes. fucking badass. She's, a, she's really, really cool. And, and I want to read more about her, uh, adventures. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, she does end up kind of stealing the show here. Um, she, I don't know. Like she almost, I, I guess it's the point of the character. Like, obviously we've already gotten enough introduction on her talking about the way like other characters feel about her. She's this really weird anomaly. She's, you know, she's like an adult child. Yeah. Everyone she's, thinks she's a fucking demon. She's like, a child of the worm juice. It, uh, <laughs> It kind of feels most like most she, most people are children of the man juice, but she is a child of the worm juice. Mm, good distinction. That should be her her real title. Fuck this, like Aaliyah of the knife. Oh yeah, I mean we don't even. Why not Aaliyah of the worm juice? Aaliyah of the worm juice. That's what I'll be calling her from now on. And you know, I I uh, just might. This could be our thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like she's like so. I don't know. I guess maybe it's just me, but like, really, what I'm trying to say is, uh, she just reminds me of like a fucking anime character. Like, she just shows up, <laughs> essentially, you know, and it sounds like she's like just like chilling out and hopping around and kicking her feet. Doesn't give a shit about the emperor fucking kills the Baron. I mean like, Oh yeah. Uh, and then is like sending crazy psychic messages and she's like, Oh, even you can't do that brother. Like, um, taunting everybody. It was cool. It was very cool. Yeah. 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 The taunting. Yes. That's, Oh, I think that's where I'm getting a lot of that anime feeling. Then we we see um, the other uh, Reverend Mother. Yes. Um, yeah, that was really cool, too. Um, because we did start the book with her. Because it, it yep. did feel connected or a little full circle. Cause she's the same one who who tests Paul with the Gamjabar in the beginning. Yes. And... Um, her disdain and for kinda, for Aaliyah is is uh is very interesting. Yeah, it's but it's not just it disdain; it's disdain and awe and um. Part of I think part of her is happy that like, but it's like it's just a very mixed bag of emotions because because it all has to do with kind of Jessica not doing what she want, but you know wanted her to do. 
Yeah. Um, but still kind of coming to creating this insanely powerful being or two or two of them, you know? Right. Yeah. It's, it's funny because obviously in the beginning, she's very, uh, quick to dismiss Jessica, you know, I mean, she's insulting her for making Paul. Like she, she thinks it's hubris. Like you think you can make the fucking Kwisatz Haderach yeah. and it, it makes more sense too. Like when we consider the appendix about the breeding program and how long they've been doing this shit. So like, it seemed like, uh, that provided context. I think for her anger, cause it, it sounded like they were really close to making it according to their plan, mm. you know? And so maybe she would have been worried that like, Oh, well you just like fucked up however many generations of trying to create the yeah. perfect space baby um but yeah jessica just right does it twice and so i think some of that that awe and the disdain also comes from envy i think she's absolutely jealous of jessica for being the mother and then jealous of the children as they're both stronger than she is yep and she's like devoted her whole life to being like the best, most baller fucking Bene Gesserit. And then mm -hmm. these two babies get shat out of worm <laughs> juice. And you're just like, all right, I guess, you know, that's just how it is, huh? Yeah. Oh, and, uh, you know, and only one of them is of the worm juice, but I went for it. Well, that's true. But um, I, I think a big thing is that, you know, uh, Aaliyah has like, the history of all the Reverend mothers like inside of her, you know, and like didn't do, I mean, is, is a, is a child, you know, is like a toddler. So it's like, it's like she didn't earn the right to, I guess, hold that honor, I think is a big thing too. Cause obviously that's the transition that every yeah. mother kind of goes, they, they consume the old and pave the way for the new. And Aaliyah kind of didn't adhere to that tra tradition because of what Jessica did. Um, so I think that's kind of, it's, yeah. it's kind of, a uh, um, cutting corners, I guess, maybe in, in right. Reverend mother, what he Helen Gaius is her name. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So she, she has the Bene Gesserit boomer energy, you know, it's like, exactly. Yes. So what, yeah. we're just going to make, we're just going to make everything better for everyone else. Even Kids though I had to days. go through something that was hard. We're not going to yeah. give Saint Aaliyah the knife, uh, free healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> not going to give her a living wage. Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> we should all be living under emperors until we're dead. Of course. Um, let's talk about the emperor, Connor. I gotta. I gotta just. Get this out of the way. I just got to say this, okay? Okay. The Emperor is Ginger. <laughs> yes, he is. I know. I know. I. Uh, How do you I mean, feel about that as, as a Ginger? Going back to the whole politics thing, he, he has some, some very strong Joe Kennedy vibes. Yeah. Um. So I, I, you know, as a Ginger, I, you know, I disown him i don't 
uh, support him in the slightest. I, I, you know, yeah. I, uh, I think I, I think the Ed Markey of the Duneverse would would uh, crush him. So, <laughs> well, it should not have to be your burden to speak on behalf of all gingers in relation to their representation in Dune, but I want you to know that I, I appreciate your bravery. So, I mean, um, you know, we're, we're not all perfect. Like Most of us are clear the air there. Cause Most, I didn't really know. <laughs> Most of us are perfect, but, uh, you know, there are aberrations in the ginger line. Um, and you know, there's a line in the sand where we, we we really just disown them and we want nothing to do with them. So that's that's kind of where where uh, where the emperor falls um, in terms of ginger uh, the ginger order. Fair enough. I mean, it pays to be selective and to be clear about these things. Absolutely, I wouldn't want anyone to be like, you know. You know where, 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 where does that Dune dude fall on all this? You know, so I just figured let's get out ahead of it. Get out in the so. open. I'm not being canceled over the Emperor. <laughs> no, you're uh, you're much too good for that, my dude. Um, let's let's talk about the Emperor here. Um, the Padja Emperor Shadam the fourth. Uh, <laughs> I think he's like, I, I remember from like previous chapters where uh, the princess Irulan will, will talk about her father, the emperor. Um, I'll just tell you from in the, the small star, passages from the start. I, I predicted who she was in terms of the ending. Did you, did you say that? That she I didn't, was the, I never... the emperor's daughter? Oh no. I mean, well, we knew she was the emperor's daughter by her diary entries or by the, the writings she had, but I knew the role. Yeah. Right. 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 I knew right. in my head the role she played um, pretty much the entire time. I just, I always thought about it. We're not going to reveal it yet. Cause we're not at that part, but um, I, I had okay. a very strong feeling the entire time. I see. But one that you, decided not to vocalize so i just have to take you at your word i guess yes you do all right and you know how i feel about taking people at their word right <laughs> yeah you hate it you say you trust <laughs> right you trust no one yeah that's what i say you you know um, you, you've you told me before but, it's, you know, it's, it's like you know you show me a man that trusts anybody and i'll show you a fucking fool that's one of your most common <laughs> common phrases. <laughs> yeah. You know, do you think it's funny that you've only ever heard me say that while wearing a fedora? Or <laughs> Well, to be fair, I've I mean most things I've heard you say, you know, you've been wearing a fedora. So, like you're like you're wearing one right now. So yeah. there's very few times I've ever seen you without yeah. a fedora. All right. Well, you know what's funny about that is the listeners are just going to have to take you at your word about that. <laughs> and I, I'd like to state for the record, you're looking right at me uh-huh. and I'm not wearing a fedora. I so, don't. That's not true. You're that's... lying. You've got your fedora on. You're right. wearing your Invader Zim shirt. 
<laughs> just your standard your your standard uniform. <laughs> right. Like I'm a Sims character just waking up. So and... can we talk about the whole dib thing? Yeah. Yeah, we can. Isn't that fucking Wanna, wanna talk about shit that we called? I called that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What the fuck? That's yeah. so bizarre. And I, I never, I just like would never. Why? And I, it, I mean, it makes total sense, I guess, but that the main character of Invader Zim or the, not the main character, the villain of Invader Zim, right? He's the villain. Yeah. Well, I mean, there he's, he's still a main character. Okay. A main he, character. Yeah, he, he, yeah. Not Zim, not the titular character. D- depending on you, depending on how you think about it, Connor, Dib is the hero. Zim is the villain. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess I'm not that's wearing true. a fedora. He is wearing a fedora. But anyways, what you're going to talk about? I well, I just think it's funny that um, it, it seems like we were riffing on Invader Zim the last episode, and now it is kind of uh, we. You know, I I, I did some research, and and I found that. <laughs> <laughs> I found that Dib, the character from Invader Zim, is most definitely based on his name is based off of Moi Dib from the uh, best-selling science fiction novel Dune, the one that we're reading right now and talking about. What book is that? Can you repeat? Dune, the best-selling science fiction novel by uh, Frank Herbert, the one that we're actually oh, reading yeah. right now and discussing currently. Yeah, yeah. I just finished that book. Same, yeah. Same. Well, I didn't read the uh, the glossary, but uh, everything yeah. up to that point. Well, you know, someone's got to finish the book first, right? I guess it was me. It's true. <laughs> uh, so you're like, oh, I did some research. I mean, so you were just hanging around, and you were like, you know what? I should really Google that. Like, no, no, no. So, so here's the thing: is I um, so I like to do kind of a, a semi relevant. Uh, picture like Instagram posts for the Dune Dude episodes, and oh, so yeah, yeah. I just Googled Invader Zim Dune, and uh, that's what came up. Oh, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my god, what we're onto something. Yeah, we uh, we're putting the pieces together, you know. Absolutely. These are thoughts that no one else has had prior to us, the dudes of Dune. We are the pioneers. The only uh, Dune podcast. <laughs> That's right. The only one that matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we stay on track so well and only talk about the issues. Uh, absolutely. D- it's Dune and Dune only here. <laughs> um, so the Baron, the Baron has to meet the Emperor, and we kind of, as readers meet the emperor through the baron then as he he finally gets these lines of dialogue he gets to do things as a character um what did you think was going on with the baron this this chapter i mean um i i think he went into that situation you know obviously thinking there would be a different outcome and um, kind of thinking that he would be able to take advantage of the circumstances and, uh, you know, just, I guess, 
I'm you know going into it, I don't know exactly what he thought, you know, because I mean obviously he gets there and he is kind of um, thrown under the bus, yeah, by the emperor. Uh, but I I think he's too egotistical and, uh, you know, self-serving. I I I, th- I don't think he had any indication that that was what was going to happen. I think he was he was way too sure of himself to uh to have any kind of hint that that he was going to go down. I guess. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I see what you mean. Um. Do you think that, uh, well, let me say it like this, because he ends up getting killed by Aaliyah, who uses the, the Gamjabar on him, yeah. which um, I thought was cool. I feel like in a way, even though it's not the same scenario, he even gets like a bit of comeuppance. Mm-hmm. For his pedophilia, oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's, like, a it's a child kill. We get him murdering him. Yeah, right. And the assassination attempt set up by Fade Routho was that there was going to be this like poison needle on the thigh of this child, right? Yep. And so here we have Aaliyah killing the Baron with this small hidden needle. Like the Baron doesn't even really realize what it is until Aaliyah says and then Aaliyah's like it's the fucking Gam Jabbar. Yeah. And um there's there's definitely um relevance. I didn't even pick up on that, but you're totally right. It's it's uh yeah, he he finally got what was coming to him. You know what else? Not to harp on it. I mean, but while I have my fedora on, if you don't <laughs> mind me finishing my thought, uh also, the, the Gamjabar is used in the, the test of, like, I don't know, like, according to the B'nai Gesserit, like, assessing if someone's human or not, according to them. You know, they seem to yeah. have these uh, really outlandish, elitist standards. You know, it's like, if you're not as good as a B'nai Gesserit, you're not even a fucking person, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, that's kind of like what we are to understand it as and like we know that paul and jessica and the surviving atreides members are kind of all like tested by it and able to go through it yeah and so i guess what i mean is like the the gam jabbar itself isn't like a certainty to kill you it's supposed to really only just be like if you're not worthy you know and the baron Clearly. is kind of always like when you're when you're in his head he's always like kind of very dismissive of all the people surrounding him and sort of thinks of them like they're animals and shit you know and so his his death is kind of linked to this item that i guess unbeknownst to him but it kind of classifies him as non-human i felt mm-hmm. like no yeah you're you're right that's uh that is some um, uh divine payback divine comeuppance right uh yeah which i think is is very fitting to his end i mean he would never ever believe that you know he's somebody i think who would think that he would pass that test in a second just like um trump thinks he would pass a a mental acuity test in a second (laughs) (laughs) like same type of thing 
Yeah, it's uh, almost a one-to-one -one parallel, honestly. Yes, yes. <clears throat> um, yeah, so I, I, did, I did like that. Um, at first, I didn't even realize he died until the next chapter a lot of, this, of the last chapter. A lot of this happens very fast, I feel. Like the, the it last does. It happens fast. Two chapters are just there's. I mean, yeah. I mean, and there's also a death in the the last chapter that I feel like was totally breezed by. That maybe should have been capitalized more. Yeah, yeah. Hot. Oh no, no, no. I I actually think I. His death is is one of the most beautiful scenes in the entire book, I think. Well, it's, yeah, he did have a really good Fade Routha. I think Fade Routha. I I think it just goes by so fast, and then it just end. You know, it just ends. I think it's just kind of yeah. I I wish there was a little bit more of like a victory moment, or uh, you know, it's just. I think there's like there's like a line in the book where it's like oh you know, and then he cut like he 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 stabbed him in the head or something like that, and then. And then that's it. Yeah. And it's not even very clear. It's just like kind of like the middle of a paragraph. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, all right. Well, here, let's quickly wrap up this chapter yes. and then we'll talk everything about the last yes. chapter. So for this one, fucking they're having this whole conversation in the throne room. Emperor gets pissed. I like that he has this crazy, you know, witch reverend mother with him. It does feel like Star Wars-y. You know, we have the emperor and like this. Definitely. Uh, mystical magic-y you know witch in this position of power so I, I've heard that George Lucas has been inspired by Dune and I think that's where Tatooine comes from and stuff too oh, okay cool um, but but this felt a bit like that to me too which I, I thought was cool um, but uh, yeah so Aaliyah is awesome she doesn't give a shit about the emperor and talks back to him the whole time, talks back to the Reverend mother, talks back to everyone fucking kills the Baron. And then she's like, you should be worried because my brother's coming. And then the room explodes mm -hmm. and, and there's like a Fremen army riding on sandworms. Yeah. Super badass. Um, which it was one of those things that like reading it, it was almost I can see that as something that'll lend itself obviously to being like this amazing visual moment in whatever Dune show or movie they're making. I don't know what it is. Um, it's a movie. Yeah. But yeah. it's only going to be the first half of the book or only the first. Oh, and then they're going to, Oh, I see. So they're, 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 they're hoping to be greenlit for a sequel. Well, you know, that's, that's good. I think trying to fit this whole book into one movie is, well, we're going to watch that movie. I yeah, think. I was going to say but that sounds the, overly ambitious. That's the big it? criticism of the of of the uh, the 1989, I think, version of the movie by David Lynch. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I think right. that's going to be a total clusterfuck in the best way possible. Yeah. Yes, I think so too. I think it's going to be magical and completely bonkers yep um i guess that's one of the benefits of the movie landscape now i mean like in the 80s if sequels were as popular 
maybe they would have just done that now. But obviously, mm -hmm. it's kind of just as much of an economic decision as an artistic one. They're like, why make one Dune movie when we can make three or whatever? Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Yeah. So, but I, I do think it will serve it well. Um, word. So yeah, the sandworms. That was another thing that like I kind of saw them, you know, building towards. They they definitely hint at it in their plan and you go through the whole writing ordeal with Paul in the previous five chapters. So I kind of felt like this was getting to that. And then um, it's cool that it, it happens and it does serve as the catalyst for Aaliyah to kill the Baron and all this commotion. Um, but in a way, I guess I felt like it was another thing that, um, that, kind of happens and ends in mm -hmm. a way like the emperor is able to escape with the, and it's not that i don't want everyone to just die from a bunch of worms like yeah i'm not saying that you would have it end differently but i feel like the way it was written felt like it was like very sudden and then abrupt in its its chapter ending but maybe yeah, that's and, how it's supposed to feel and i mean i think that is how it's supposed to feel um the, i mean the last two chapters specifically i think that's maybe the intention um because like there's i mean going like it takes so long for for so little to happen like especially during the middle part of the the book which is not a criticism like i think it it was paced very well and very thoughtfully um, yeah. so i think it has to be an intentional move to to make the, the last two chapters and the the big climax of the book go by so fast and uh you know it it makes you it makes you think about it more, I think, because you're like, wait, did that just happen? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so for this last chapter, we pretty much have it where, like, Paul wins, you know, yeah. right? Like, yeah. the Fremen win, and Paul's like, send out these terms to the emperor. I want him to surrender or this and this and that. And <clears throat> the second to last chapter ends with the emperor and the Reverend Mother being like, oh, there's only one way we could win. Treachery. Yep. We need mm -hmm. to do something treacherous. So like, there's kind of that looming threat going into the last chapter. And Paul's aware of it too. And he has this vision of Hot potentially betraying him. Right. Yep. Um. But for the most part, this chapter is having the enemies of the book at like gunpoint, you know, mm -hmm. and finally having the our our main character Paul like truly has the upper hand, you know, like he's and pretty much everything um... standing on top of this like thrown yeah i feel like looking well, yeah. down at them they go know, back to the... the um they go back to the atreides like castle mansion thing and like reclaim it um which yeah. which you know is yeah. is more symbolic for paul they're like you know i i, I think gurney and the fremen and they're like oh do we really want to like make our base here and he's like no it has to be here this is you know, i'm 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 the duke of this throne you know yeah um so paul has a very clear-cut idea of how he's going to um you know, lead this uprising. And, uh, yeah, it, it really could not have gone better for him. Um, yeah. And then they, you know, the emperor and 
the Reverend Mother and Howitt and you know their their uh, soldiers or or you know what um what's the 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 name of the the is it the, this corporation that they're with or or people who are yeah yeah and have that the, the space the space guild was that's there, what I'm talking about the space the guild. guild yeah and they have a very vested interest in um the production of the spice right and that's kind of what paul hinges this all on and you know he yes. he pretty much you know he threatens all of them with just the destruction of 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 all the spice on arrakis um which i mean there is a detailed explanation on 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 how he can do that um i for the life of me could not describe i, I can't recount exactly how he has those capabilities but he does yeah it's there is an explanation and perhaps it makes sense but it does feel like you have to just accept it a little yeah. too like it is kind of it's pretty much like oh you know we can make the water of life which is the the poison the reverend mothers drink but like if you combine because like the the worms drown if you combine something with the water it's, then it yeah it's drowning more yeah yep. mm -hmm. i'd have to reread it too but it it it, it does makes seem sense a little the story. yeah it's not it's not bad you know it's not like it's like so convenient where it's like that's bullshit but um not like braille on a leaf naturally so but yes, at any rate, Paul can destroy the spice and the guild, which I think we really only find out in this chapter, and it is kind of an interesting thing to put in. But like, I guess the guild also has powers of limited foresight mm -hmm. from the spice. Yeah. So not only do they want the spice because it's lucrative, but they also seem to hinge their business on it. Like they are just as addicted to it, I think. Um, Cause without the spice, then they can't see the future. And that's like what allows them to travel through space as expertly as they do. I think to like make the routes. Yeah. I think space travel. I think that is the gist of it. Um, and so that provided like kind of a, I guess a, a reason where it was like, you know, Paul's like, I'll destroy the spice. And then like, everyone could have been like, you're bluffing, but instead they're like, no, we can like kind of see that he's going to do it. So like that mm. point is moved. Um, and it was a cool moment when Paul orders the guild people to like, send out a message to all the other ships waiting in space to like, fuck off and, you know, say that everything's done. Um, cause the emperor is like, you don't, you don't listen to him. You know, mm. we're, I'm like the fucking God emperor of the galaxy. Yeah. And they're like, sorry, buddy. <laughs> this ain't it chief. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, you mentioned that you thought heart's death was really moving. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, this is a big, I mean, this is a moment that I've been waiting for, for, you know, since how it ends, the Atreides have been split up and kind of a, uh, a reckoning of sorts between him and the family. Um, and so pretty much it's like, 
it's very tense when he, when he gets introduced and you, you know uh Paul has all of the the emperor's people kind of uh like kind of curtailed off at a certain point like they can't you know there there's a there's a boundary they cannot cross to get to him um but he kind mm-hmm. of you know he he lets how it through and um uh it's kind of maybe forgotten at this point that how it has you know under Harkonnen control he's been ingesting this poison for you know the last two or so year two and a half years um and he's been off radar for like a few days and without that without uh the antidote that they serve him you know he'll he'll die uh um you know and Paul pretty much talks to him and uh pretty much you know says like we, like i like you can do whatever you want here if if you want to kill me then kill me like this like like you know i i'm i'm still um like we're still cool <laughs> you know like but if if what you need to do right now is is kill me then go ahead and kill me and uh you know how it just said that you know uh he kind of uh let himself or he allowed himself to or wanted to allow himself to see paul like one last time before he he died and kind of he was just holding on for this this uh you know very short moment and um you know pretty much uh professes his undying loyalty and friendship and uh and then you know his his body finally gives and he he dies right in front of paul um because obviously this this poison is killing him uh and the moment is is written a lot better than i i have described it but it's but it's <laughs> just a, it's 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 a very very moving scene cuz pretty much everybody around paul uh you know he like even Gurney or the Fremen, they, you know, they, they're unsure about what, how it is going to do because obviously he's been working for the Harkonnens for years now. And, uh, you know, Paul was presumed dead for a long time. Uh, but Paul, Paul knew, you know, Paul knew from the start that, uh, how it was, was a real one. And, uh, I'm, I'm happy that in the very end, at least they both knew where where they stood, uh, and um, yeah, it, it was a very very honorable death. Yeah, I agree. As well said. Um, do you think, or like when you were reading that for the first time, did you feel like Paul did, or were you? Did you also have some uncertainty? Um. I mean, obviously, the wild card was Jessica. You know, obviously, how it still thought that Jessica was the betrayer, and they have to kind of yeah. go through it and, you know, convince him that it was UA. Uh, and I forget, I, I don't remember a lot about that scene, but um, but yeah, that that was the only kind of wild card in my opinion i yeah you know i knew he was going to be loyal to paul but i didn't know if he was gonna pull a gurney <laughs> yeah i think i think Hawett kind of says offhandedly that 
he he did end up being convinced maybe by gurney yeah like he at that at the very end he he does know that jessica's innocent and he, he apologizes i'm pretty sure i think he does too yeah. and i literally i think jessica just does not respond <laughs> that's how i i think that like hot is like you know i'm sorry i would never expect you to forgive me and the, you know, instead of like some moving, like, oh, hi, don't like, I think Jessica doesn't even like acknowledge him, honestly. Mm. I think she's like just beyond it, just doesn't even, well, doesn't even care. There's more know? going on <laughs> in, the, in, in the, that that are more pressing matters. I mean, uh, I, I didn't need the scene where Hawa and, uh, and Jessica are friends again, you know, but I did yeah. need the scene where, where, where Hawa and, uh, Paul at least, come to terms with with where they both stand and i think that it, it was i mean it was it was a very very powerful moment very sad yeah i agree and, and i sad and beautiful i think it's better that we don't have a scene where jessica and hot are all chummy i kind of like that it it ends uh it's resolved completely yeah. it's just not it's not like cathartic you know no it yep. just is and you're like oh <laughs> mm-hmm. cool yeah um but yeah, Hot Hot does have a great ending, and I, I do think his uh, the way that resolves with him and Paul together is important for both of them. You know that that Hot still gets to die in service to the Atreides family, yep. and that Paul, you know, it's it's kind of like um, as if you needed any more proof of his his dukedom, but I mean, like he's obviously the, the rightful Atreides heir, you know, and yeah, like he's, he's the rightful, loyalty the, the, cements that he is the, the, the rightful Duke of Arrakis. Yeah. So that was really cool. Um, and, uh, that, that brings us to kind of the most fucked up moment, I think of the chapter, which is, Paul stealing Gurney's moment of killing uh, Harkonnen. Yeah, I felt like that was really uh, not cool. I mean, it it leads yeah, to it's... a great showdown, which I think we all want. We were all waiting to happen, Paul versus Fadrautha. But uh, but for the longest time, you know, all Gurney wanted to do was kill a Harkonnen. Yeah, and. I, I don't know what the thinking is exactly from Frank Herbert, like other than maybe not wanting to have too predictable or like uh, or uh, like too neat of an ending. We're like, oh, everyone gets what they want, but like they they mention that Rabin dies in the worm attack. Yeah, you know. But that happens off page. That's yeah. not nowhere in the worm attack itself does it say that Raven is killed. You don't get a you know a sentence of it happening in the present time. He, he is such a nothing character that I just don't even I don't give a shit. No, well, right. It's not important that we see that as a reader. But like, if he's just gonna die, it feels like you could you could obviously there was the option to avoid this because the one. It seems like Gurney really has a beef with Raven in the first place. So yeah. you could have had Gurney kill Raven, 
and then have Paul kill Fade Rautha just mm. like he does. Um, and like in this in this alternate you know retelling, then there wouldn't be any conflict because it would be like, oh well, they both got to kill a Harkonnen, and it they was the exact one that they wanted to kill. So yeah. it's all no, good. You're right. You're right. But so there's like a really deliberate decision from the author to have this be like a minor conflict at the end. And I, I don't totally know why, to be honest, I, I'd have to think more about it. Yeah. I don't, but it I don't dislike yeah. it. I, I, I just feel really bad for Gurney. Cause I think he, yeah. uh, that's literally all he fucking wanted for his dying wish. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Paul, Paul kind of, I mean, I think he just he he knows that he has to be the one that d- that does it to yeah. you know because he uh, he's seen it or has felt it before you know um, and so like I, I I understand the reasoning there but it it is just it's it's sad for Gurney it really is yeah plus there is kind of a you're making me think about it but there is this really small moment. And I think you're right, by the way. Like, I, I do think Paul's reasoning is more closely tied to what he thinks has to be done within, like, the nexus of time. Yeah. Um, but, like, there is this part where Gurney's arguing still because he wants to be the one to do it. And he's like, you know, I, I've, you know, suffered under the Harkronans and I lived as a slave and they killed my girlfriend and gave me this scar and Paul, like, completely don't tone deaf. He's like, Gurney, you know, how do you think that makes me feel? You know, like, <laughs> I've had a bad time too, buddy. Yeah. They killed my dad, and I've been in the desert, you know? They have, like, a fucking... Uh... Killed my dad and my son. Yeah, you know, they, they have, like, a... I don't know, what would you call it? Like, a fucking like torture contest or something of like, you know, who they whose do, life yeah. has been more ir- irrevocably fucked up by the Harkonnens, yeah. you know, yeah, they kind of just like mm-hmm. brush the other shit away. Like who, I don't give a fuck that you were a slave for years. Gurney. They <laughs> killed my baby. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, okay. It's, yeah. It's like I, think, that. I, I think Paul uh, could have handled that, uh, a be, you know, in a better way. But I also think that this does showcase his arrogance still, even, being the Quiet Sadrak, he he is. I mean, he still has those those arrogant characteristics of 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 Paul Atreides. You know, like that. Yeah, that still is who he is. Yeah. No, I think I think that's a good way to to put it. Paul is very arrogant. Yeah. Um. At any rate, we get this this knife fight. We get a, a duel to end to end the book um and so we have this kind of like faded confrontation between paul atreides muadib and fade rautha the only harkonnen left standing and they have a motherfucking knife fight yeah they do yeah uh no shields uh yep no no uh backup 100 percent pure uncut testosterone (laughs) let the worm juice flow baby (laughs) yeah um 
The knife fight is good. I I like that it ends the way that it does, especially um, considering the larger significance of their weapons, like Paul's fighting with the Cry's knife, which is obviously this really significant Fremen weapon, and Fade Rath is fighting with the personal dagger of the emperor Mm -hmm. that's what he has to use and so you get like this really stark clash and contrast between like paul embodying the entire journey that he's been through you know like this transition from royalty and duke to be to fremen to fremen messiah to you know, kind of back to now the the rightful Duke and sort of combining everything in one. You know, he's yep. both Paul Atreides and Muad'Dib. And, like, that's what gives him the edge, you know, that he's not just, uh, just, just an upbringing of, like, solely privilege. Like, I, I think what it felt like to me, it's really trying to hammer home is, like, because Paul has gone through all the shit that he's been made to go through by those trying to to thwart him, to ruin his you know life, that that's what turns him into the person that's able to defeat them. You know, they create their own enemy, the the Emperor yeah. and the Harkonnens. You know, that kind Paul of- would never have been this threat to them. Yeah, it's kind of a, a, a smaller scale version of what they did to the Fremen, really. Um, they, you know, they've they've yeah. just kind of pushed them to the side, discounted them, but all the while they just got stronger and stronger and uh, built up their resources and their power. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is also the fight that both Fade Rautha and Paul have been training for since they were kids. You know, this is the the showdown that they've just been building up to for their entire lives. So of course, Paul wants to to be the one that that does it because this is what he was, you know, uh, groomed to do even before um, he became, you know, uh, Muad'Dib or Kwisatz Haderach. Uh, And then also it, what I find very interesting is this, you know, again, we, we uh, have Paul kind of, thinking about well what if i die what if i don't win this fight and he doesn't see much of a difference either way he you know he says the future is just you know on lock just you know the, the same way as if he didn't mount the worm correctly and he and he died during his first uh maker ride um mm-hmm. so you know because the, the the jihad will go on he will grow you know his legend will grow and uh the Fremen will fight in his name for eternity. <laughs> um, so I think that is, that is very, very interesting. Uh, in the match itself, the, it, it is, it's not, you know, Paul is, it's, is, is, does not have an overwhelming advantage. You know, they're, they're, they're on uh, close to equal footing. Um, I mean, they're both, they're both arrogant princes, you know, um but uh 
I think you're totally right in in that Paul has the 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 small advantage of 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 also being um, trained by what you know Fade Routha would would consider the savages. You know, whereas yeah, whereas he's only been trained by royal, you know, uh, swordsmen or or fighters, and um, yeah, and and so, and so that's I think that's what it comes down to, and that is. Fade Routha's um, uh, fatal flaw, as well as the yeah. fact that Paul is the Quisad Tatarak and can actually dismantle the poison that that is in the, uh, the 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 tip of the blade that that Fade Routha cuts him with. Because if because yeah. <laughs> if he wasn't the Quisad Tatarak, that would have been it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That that does happen doesn't it he does get cut because I, I remember thinking that um well i guess i i remember thinking like oh yeah like i get that fade ralph is gonna play dirty like we we have a we're we're shown from their own point of view earlier in the book they each have their own individual knife fight that they go yeah. through too right like yeah. fade Routha fights in the slave pits <clears throat> and it shows that he's a complete ass fuck and you know uh it's just really does toy with his opponent and you know we already talked about the contrast between fade Ratha's knife fight and paul's knife fight against Jameis. um may he rest in peace yes that's right um i was a friend of Jameis. <laughs> <laughs> uh And so I like how that that kind of shows how they change to, or I mean, at least with Paul, where like before we saw his reluctance to want to kill anyone. And I think like in this case, obviously he wouldn't want to kill someone innocent, but he doesn't seem to have any reservations about shoving a knife up through Phaedrath's jaw into his no. brain. No. Which is pretty badass. It happens. Well, yes, it's way. badass. So. It happens so fast. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> that, that, that just happened? Oh, oh wow. Yeah, yeah. I thought I maybe he was gonna. Um, he was going to, you know, not kill him, and then also by by choosing not to kill him, like dishonor him, you know. Yeah, but no. Yeah, I see what you dead. mean. Um. Yeah, I think uh, I get what you mean because, especially after how how the book has been paced and how it does kind of keep us uh you know struggling to get these like small victories throughout the book it it feels weird when when you get to the end you know it it feels like there's never going to be a resolution and then there is and maybe this could have been drawn out a little bit more but i I found myself really happy with this ending. I think some of it, it's, it's this kind of, I think a, a good balance of having enough conflict and enough unresolved, like when it comes down to Gurney not getting his, his resolution to killing the Harkonnens or like still having enough 
unanswered questions about what happens next with the state of the universe or the characters, but then also like resolving just enough where some of it feels like it's tied in this very neat bow, you know, and it's like, oh, the emperor's defeated. He's going to go to Seleucus Secundus and live on his prison planet. And, uh, but you yeah, know, Paul, Paul banishes says the emperor, that he's going to badass. terraform it. What'd you say? I said, Paul banishing the emperor to, to his own prison planet is pretty badass. Yeah, it is. And then but fucking then, like, marrying, it's, it's a, marrying his daughter. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, he's a total Chad, as they say. Yeah, the, and you'd be, yeah, the Kwisatz Chatterack. Hell yeah. Well, we found there our we episode go. name. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of, like, quick but really damning stuff at the end there like that, right? Like, Vader Alpha gets freaking killed, no more Harkonnens, the Emperor has to live out the rest of his life banished but instead of it being his horrible prison planet paul's like i'm gonna terraform it just like i'm gonna terraform arrakis yeah <laughs> so suck it but there's also always going to be desert because we need spice yeah and arrakis should be you know like also yeah. untamed and wild and mm. um but um and then but I really mean- i love how it ends Sorry, you go. Uh, I was going to say that, you know, he, he's like, there's one way we can do this. I'm going to marry your daughter. I'm going to become the emperor. Uh, and then she's just like, oh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> like, dad, it's dad is okay. I'll, like, that's totally fine, dad. Don't worry. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll marry him. It'll be fine. Like, you know, I know, like, he's never going to love me. And it's like, I'm just going to, you know, live my life in service to uh, <laughs> to the guy who, who dethroned and just totally fucking made her mockery of my father <laughs> like but it's fine yeah. you know, just i'm just gonna roll with it right. dad it's okay yeah yeah not only is she it's like she's leaning into it you know she she's is like, yeah this is like right she must she's, hate she's her like, fucking father happy for me this is like the kind of guy you'd want me to marry <laughs> yeah, right yeah. like <laughs> yeah uh so it's it's a pretty big own it is kind of funny that uh she's um, so ready for this life of semi-servitude. But I don't know. Maybe it just seems like the best case scenario for her at this point. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I really love the last line that we get from Jessica. And it feels like a big wrap up for her. You know, she's kind of lived with this internalized shame of, of being a concubine and never yeah. the, the wife, you know, always the mistress. And uh, she says, think on it, Johnny, that princess will have the name yet. She'll live as less than a concubine, never to know a moment of tenderness from the man to whom she's bound. While we, Johnny, we who carry the name of concubine history will call us wives. Yeah, and then at first I was like, "That's the end." I know it feels like a little bit of a strange note to end on, but the more you think about it, the more it it feels right, especially yeah. with the appendices uh, directly afterwards. I I think so too. I think it's a really appropriate way to leave off, and it really, I think it really shows like what 
the most important focuses are in the book. Cause like it, there's still so much you could ask about like when it comes to like, what's going to the, the, the new state of the galaxy, what's going to happen to these characters, who does what? I mean, but the book, I, I, I feel like ending the book like that is kind of its declaration that, even if you're focused on more of the stuff on the periphery that is very interesting, that that's not what the book's about, you mm -hmm. know? And that it really kind of like brings everything back into that character focus. Um, and that I think Jessica really finally completes her arc at the very end and yeah. how that, embodies um i i think just a lot of the general messages of like survival and adaptability and i don't know and that uh i it's i weird. think for me uh it, it mostly signals that the the book is over, but the, the story is obviously not over. Uh, maybe Jessica's journey in that moment is and comes full circle, but uh, it cuts off so abruptly that it, it does. It, it feels like, like, like it's things are still going to be happening after this is all done. Um, yeah. As there's really, we, we don't really see any falling action. It's the climax. And then that's true. It. Right. Yeah. I guess in a way the the appendices do sort of serve that purpose because it, it kind of does go right from Jessica being like, this is what history will say about us. And then you kind of get to read some of that history. Some history. Yeah. Because the appendix are written right. Like clearly from the point of view of, you know, like a scholar, living in the dune universe yeah very of like very detached perspective yeah let's let, let's let's cover that really quick and then uh give our final thoughts sure um i liked the extra context especially about kinds's father yes. and like how that sets up why the fremen are the way that they are like that they're thought of as so wild, but it seems like also because uh, only up until very relatively recently did they even have like a goal mm -hmm. um, that was made clear to them by by whatever kinds his dad name is. I don't remember, but um, I think that was really good backstory, especially because yeah. we also talked about you know we like kinds a lot. So Kynes is great. His, his father seems like a really cool guy too. Um, you know, very cool how he just kind of proved himself to the Fremen and adapted and, uh, you know, became a, a kind of leader. Um, while also being the, the planetary ecologist or whatever and passing yeah. that down onto his son. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that, that was a cool little story good to get some some backstory on that i also liked uh 
the the whole thing about like the, the whole orange catholic bible and stuff yes um really really gives us an answer as to like what what so like the dune universe is you know just an incredibly distant far future version of our own yeah humanity you know they talk about original earth and mm. That that's where these terms like Catholic and everything come from, from these old ancient religions. And yeah. so like um it was a really interesting concept that like after the advent of space travel, that like all of humanity had as a species had to like look inward and they're like, Well, are we gonna like update our thoughts on God now that we're going into space into like the great cosmic horror? Like, what does that say about our religions? And like humanity agrees that they're going to have a meeting of like all religious scholars to create like a new hyper Bible that embodies like all religions of earth. Um, it's, it's a really kind of radical concept. Um, it is to, to kind of like, uh, yeah, I mean, kind of create a new religion and a new great book by committee, you know, that's, yeah really really isn't and then also i mean it obviously it causes so much unrest within the the universe um until it eventually takes hold um yeah like all great texts i think it's banned you know or or discouraged from being read and uh uh combated every step of the way and then only in its uh remembrance does it kind of grow in uh acceptance yeah, and it, it really does show, like, the amount of time that we're talking about when we're talking about the history of Dune and, like, where things are taking place now. Like, it, it is cool to get that knowledge that um, uh, that this Orange Catholic Bible has it. You know, that's that's what makes the world feel so fully realized that you can discuss its, like, you know, history throughout these centuries yeah because it's like you know oh and oh shit that's right and this is all taking place after the butlerian jihad jihad yes which i feel like there were a couple times we read the book you know and we'd be like whoa these people don't have fucking cell phones they don't have this they don't have that and apparently there was this whole fucking war where uh, humanity just like destroyed all robots yep. and thinking machines. Yep. AI was kind of a, and that's why there's like this weird, you know, like super futuristic, but also like somewhat limited and even kind of feudal and primitive society. Exactly. Like that, that's borderline medieval that economy. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, that is very, that, that answers a big question that I guess I hadn't really thought about since the beginning of the book. Uh, but, yeah. but yeah, no, that's, that's very interesting and definitely something um, that could actually happen in the future in some way, shape or form. Uh, For sure. Cause technology is a very scary concept. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that was, yeah, that's, that's nuts. It's, it's, um, it's really cool to kind of see uh, how small a piece that you, you know, you've read of this, this vast and, and uh dynamic universe that uh it's set in you know it's like 
we're really only seeing a very a very short chunk of uh of time right yeah no absolutely uh all right man uh well then then what isn't there a bit i i forget all the appendices i i you know i i don't but there's a bit somewhere where they mention um that fade routha has a daughter yes yes i think so um which presumably is is the uh oh and the fucking in in the last chapter of the book uh it's it's revealed that um the count count fenring is um, is a failed quiet is a failed quiet as Hatterack, and and that's why he deems to 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 not kill Paul because he, they kind of feel a uh a connection or uh, uh a kinship yeah. with each other which is crazy yeah, which is crazy very interesting yeah yeah it is um but anyways yeah so it's presu- it, presumably count fenring's wife is is the one that uh, uh, bears has a child. Fade Routh right. is yeah. daughter. Yes, which I think is a is a is a dangling plot thread. Yes, good point. Um, very true, and continues to show like that the Bene Gesserit were always kind of playing their own game. Yeah, you know, moving forwards, it doesn't really matter that. I mean, I guess at the time when they they had that child, they were under the belief that Paul was dead anyway. So of yeah. course they would still be trying to make the Quasar Tatarak. But I get the feeling that they would just do it no matter what. I think so. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, I still, I mean, like I think that they wanted the Quasar Tatarak. Just I, I feel like maybe they also see the jihad and wanted to stop or they they, they just want to be in charge of the jihad they they right they, yeah they, they want, want to be the ones in control yeah i think they see see the the, the quasi tatarak as inevitable and they want to be the ones that are pulling the strings that's fair i think that's a good concise way to put that um yeah, I think real quick at the end here, I, I want to mention, like, as it goes back to the jihad, it's like that was the looming cloud that kind of replaces, like, oh, God, what's going to happen when, when the Duke dies? It's like, what's gonna what's happening with the fucking jihad? Yeah. Everything Paul's been doing has been, like, trying to stop this thing. Well, then the, there the is a moment. the last chapter, Paul's just like, fuck it. Yeah, the, yeah. You know? Like, exactly. There's a moment there where, where I, it finally happened, and he's like, well, no matter what I fucking do, it's going to happen. So let it fucking happen. Yeah. Um, I think it was a bold way to end that plot point because uh, it just seemed like it was building up to like, there is something that can be done. Like Paul can stop this thing and we need to figure out what it is. Um, And so I, I was fully expecting that, and I liked that I didn't get it. I liked that it was uh, yep. like, well, you know, what can you do? <laughs> this, yeah. It's going to happen. So, Jihad's going to jihad. I suspect that'll come up in the future books, but, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll we read those, will I think. See so. If we ever read them. Uh, we, you know, we just might. Mm. We just might. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's talk about our closing thoughts here on on dune as a whole and how we feel 
all that shit. I mean, I think I will we'll keep this brief because uh, spoilers. We're going to do an episode about the movie, about the Dune mm-hmm. movie, 1989, mm-hmm. I believe, directed by David Lynch. Um, that'll come out next. And I think we'll do a, a big, a long, maybe in-person episode where we were, we were yeah. together in person talk about everything Dune-related uh, with the, the movie and everything. Um, but yeah, just to wrap up my final final thoughts on these last few chapters and then the finishing the book as a whole um i think it is you know well deserved just you know the 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 honors and accolades it's received as a work of fiction um it really just you know you submerge into this totally foreign yet similar uh world and uh not only the characters but the the politics and the inner mechanisms of um the, you know fremen society and uh you know political discourse it's it's all you know it's it, it really is all all very enthralling and there's there's really there's i mean it ebbs and it flows and it's not non-stop thrills the entire way through um, but it, it never loses you for a moment. It's, it was, um, yeah, it, it, it was a true ride. And, um, I, I just felt, I felt really, um, joyful, I guess, to be just kind of living in this, you know, world of, uh, of, of rich fiction, um, makes me not, it made me not want to leave. You know, I, I, I want to keep reading the Dune series. Uh, if we, do or do not i i don't know i can't I, I cannot make that decision just yet but um but yeah it it it, it sucked me in and uh has has yet to yeah it, the, the the sandworm sucked me in and has yet to spit me out wow what a corny and charming way to, <laughs> to put yeah i i hear you though um i agree i didn't get uh I didn't ever get to a point where I was like over it. Um, it was a long book, you know, it was, that I, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a slow reader, you know, I would have taken much longer with this if I ever finished it ever on my own, which mm-hmm. isn't likely. So thank you. Thank you. One. Well, yeah. For, I mean, uh, thank you because you know, reading I, this along with me. obviously I tried at one point a few years ago and uh, maybe ne- never would have picked it up again if you hadn't uh, initiated this. So thank you. Yeah. Um, of course, it was super fun to go through with you. Like you said, we're going to talk plenty more about this when we discuss the movie and do one last big old discussion. So I'm going to let you go. But I, I do just want to mention um, that uh, that I was struck with how how fully realized the world of Dune was in just the one book, you know, and that it always found... Um, interesting ways to build on itself. Like it'd be easy to read a sentence or a paragraph and to not really think about it, you know, like, but, but it was a very good novel for like rewarding, um, thinking about the ways that like things connect, I guess. Yeah. Yes. it, It doesn't always, tell you like overtly or obviously like why this piece of information is important 
but it, it, it always gives you just enough to make you feel clever, I think. For like putting, putting the pieces together. Some of those pieces together, right. It's um, almost never explicit. And, um, you know, there's tidbits of, it, of, of information dropped here and there. And I think that's why actually, you know, us doing the five chapters at a time and maybe waiting a few days between talking and reading, I think it, it pays off to kind of let all this information sit in your brain and kind of uh, stew. And then, you know, slowly connections are being made over the course of, uh, you know, weeks or months that you're reading it. And I think I, I, I think it's benefits of, of kind of not rushing through it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, Hey, uh, Connor, thank you again. You've been a, a lovely guest you know what? You know what? Let me say it. You've earned it, buddy. You've been a great co-host. Thank you for... Uh, oh my goodness. Thank you for being my constant companion. I I am very, very much looking forward to us watching the movie together. And, you, uh, you know, it'll probably uh, be good for us to think maybe more about what we want to say about this book as well. Because I, I think there'll be a bit more to talk about. Agreed. But, uh, very yeah. happy to finish it. And um, I look forward to talking with you again soon. Yeah, you as well. It's been my honor. And, uh, you know, I, I'd say kudos to you. You've done an outstanding job at your first um, your first, your first hosting job. Wow. You're truly the host with the most. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, means a lot to me. So I appreciate it, bud. Um, you know, that being said, it's the host's duty to close out the show. So I just want to say to all of you who have listened since day one, and hey, even to those of you who decided for no reason to just skip ahead to the very end and only listen to this episode, Black you're out there. This is for you. You're out there. <laughs> uh Thank you to anyone listening for five seconds or for, you know, the however many hours it's been of us rambling. Um, you know, uh, we do it for ourselves, but we also do it for you. So we, we, we know that you exist. Me saying this over and over again is not to try and get myself to believe anything no. Or, no, or to we... affirm anything. I know that you're a real person. You're real. All of you. Real people. All of you are real. It's not just me talking to my favorite dude out into the void. It's real people. We're talking about real people. So I mean, thank and, you. And maybe not presently, but certainly at some point in the future, somebody will listen. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? God damn it. <laughs> we love you. We fucking love you. All right. Um, until next time. This is our, our final episode of going through the first Dune book, and you can look forward to more where that came from, baby. Hell yeah. So uh, you can follow us on uh, Twitter. Perfect. <laughs> quit, let's quit while we're ahead. That's how you host, baby. All right. All right. Good riddance. <laughs>